The global outdoor apparel market is a $12 billion industry. For more than a half century, the North Face has competed in the space, outfitting mountain climbers and skiers. But the outdoor recreation brand is now hoping to become a big player in the $185 billion streetwear market as well. It has also benefited from a renewed interest in the outdoors. There's certainly a return to outdoor. There's the focus on health and wellness. There's a commitment to sustainability and consumers are looking to connect with brands that, that speak to those particular trends. And when we talk about sports, whether it's outdoors or athletic sports, uh, uh, you know, the brands are all focused on uh, presenting uh, a true athlete in uh, wearing their products. Uh, but the money is in sportswear. Um, the money is in people in the suburbs uh, uh, who are wearing it to, to drive in the, uh, you know, the SUV to uh, the craft beer bar. In the three months ending September 2021, the North Face had revenue of $883 million, 31% higher than a year earlier. And while interest in outdoor activities like camping have surged, climate change and consumer trends like sustainability have led to a range of challenges and opportunities for the brand. Every year, 85% of textiles produced, including clothing, shoes, and gear, ends up in landfills. The company also faces stiff competition in the crowded outdoor apparel space. So how is the North Face pivoting in its battle with rival Patagonia? And why did the outdoor apparel and equipment company transition from focusing on climbing gear to streetwear? The North Face got its start in San Francisco in the 1960s, selling backpacks, tents, and sleeping bags to climbers. On opening night, a pair of Hell's Angels provided security at the door, while the Grateful Dead performed to beatniks from the neighborhood. Hab Klopp, a recent graduate of Stanford's MBA program, bought the business in 1968 with the idea of infusing tech into the camping experience. Using material from the Vietnam War, the company designed sleeping bags and tents out of nylon parachutes and pack frames and tent poles out of used aircraft aluminum. It was the 60s and there was all the urban problems. There was anti-Vietnam War. After in, in Berkeley, we were at the center of all of that. But what we knew, what I knew, was that if people went into the wilderness, uh, they're going to come back renewed, refreshed, and they'd have a better view about being stewards of the earth and how they could move forward. During the 60s, the North Face launched sponsored expeditions around the globe, and in 1975 introduced its geodesic dome tent, a design that set the standard for tents used at high altitude and on polar expeditions. And that was a big breakthrough in terms of what we did. And frankly, it, it ended up selling very well, but probably not for all of the design reasons we talked about and the, the Buckyisms that we had, which were you know more space with less materials. But it, it looked good. It looked unique. It set up very well in stores. By the early 80s, the North Face added extreme ski wear, initially making windproof jackets for freestyle skiers. And by the 90s, added trail running and trekking shoes. The company was also pushing further into streetwear, and in 1992 introduced the Nupsi. The iconic puffy jacket, along with other coats like the Himalayan down jacket, created a massive following among everyone from hikers and rappers to prep school kids. At the outset, we made no clothing, and, and now clothing is probably 80% of what they sell. In the case of North Face, they've also really embraced the whole streetwear vibe uh, and uh, are creating really limited edition products, collaborations with music artists and uh, celebrities uh, to, to bring their product to, uh, to a more of a streetwear side of the consumer, which is really based on um, scarcity, uh, very limited quantities, very limited availability, um, often garnering high prices 
prices in the resale market. In decades before the rise of social media companies, the North Face was adding influencers to its roster, including Ned Gillette, who rode from the tip of South America to Antarctica in 1988. But a series of missteps was causing mounting headwinds for the company. Higher costs in the late 1980s due to poor production sourcing and a failed retail expansion strategy that focused on outlet stores saw the company's financial performance deteriorate. By April 2000, the North Face stock price closed at $1.22, and the company acknowledged substantial doubt about its ability to continue as a growing concern. In 2000, the North Face was sold to apparel and footwear conglomerate VF Corporation for roughly $25 million. As of 2022, the North Face owned and operated stores in more than 40 countries. The outdoor apparel market is a $12 billion business and includes companies like the North Face, REI, Columbia Sportswear, Marmot, and Patagonia. According to analysts, in recent years, outdoor apparel has been impacted by events ranging from a decline in travel, fewer people going to work, to the ongoing climate crisis. Changing consumer priorities have also caused some headwinds. One of the other interesting fashion trends we've seen is that um, young people are, are just buying sweatshirts uh, and some layering up. If it gets cold, they'll put two or three sweatshirts on uh, and that's their outerwear instead of going out and spending a lot of money on a jacket. But despite those disruptions, an increase in outdoor activities has led to big gains for the outdoor apparel segment. In the nine months ending September 30th, 2021, Columbia Sportswear's net sales increased almost 26% to $1.9 billion. At the end of the day, the fundamentals of the business are spectacular. People want to go outdoors. It's the best place uh, to be active with your family. It's the safest place. And, and consumers are definitely taking advantage of that. The North Face saw even bigger gains. In the three months ending September 2021, it had global revenue of $883 million, 31% higher than a year earlier. In fiscal year 2021, the North Face accounted for 26.6% of revenue at VF. Other brands, including Vans, made up 37.5% of sales. Timberland made up 16%, and work apparel brand Dickies made up 7.5%. Divisions including Eastpac, Jansport, Eagle Creek, and clothing and skateboarding lifestyle brand Supreme made up the remainder. According to analysts, one way the North Face has been able to differentiate itself from the pack is by collaborating with fashion and streetwear brands like Gucci and Supreme. You know, they have innovation, they push the boundaries of design with these companies in ways they would have never done by themselves. So they make a lot of really smart choices about who they collaborate with and why, and what demographic that's gonna to bring to them. And that's fundamental in what the, why the North Face is so successful. Perhaps the largest player in the outdoor apparel space is Patagonia. Patagonia, the private Southern California company known for its trendy jackets and fleeces, got its start in 1973 as a rock climbing outfitter that later sold rugby shirts. The company's long-term focus on environmental activism has attracted everyone from outdoor gear aficionados to suburban moms. Patagonia was never really focused on the extreme athlete. They were focused on much more the recreational outdoorsman um, and always had a strong, strong grounding in, uh, in, in sustainability, uh, in, in protecting the environment. Um, and uh, I think that's one of the things that propelled uh, Patagonia to where it is, is their, their very strong and vocal uh, stance on, uh, on the environment. Since 1985, Patagonia has pledged 1% of its sales to the preservation and restoration of the environment. 
By 1996, all of its cotton products were made organically, and it has a used clothing and repair program for its garments. It has also taken steps to improve its supply chain. Considered one of the world's lowest paying jobs, there are about 60 million apparel workers globally. While Patagonia doesn't own any of its own factories, in 2013, the company partnered with Fairtrade USA in an effort to find a permanent solution to ensure all of its workers earn a living wage. As of 2019, 35% of Patagonia's 31 apparel factories were paying their workers a living wage on average. While Patagonia has leaned into sustainability, the North Face has historically turned to its roster of over 90 sponsored athletes to raise brand awareness. Basu Sojitra is one of those athletes. At nine months old, he lost his right leg to a blood infection. Today, the extreme skier has summited and backcountry skied on some of the tallest U.S. peaks. I mean, I do love skiing, but I try to not generalize too much. I guess I'm more of just like a mountain athlete as much as possible. I like being in the hills like being close to the mountains in any way, shape, or form. Um, in the summers, I tend to go on trail runs or go on the river and go camping and whatever. And then in those winters, I enjoy skiing and ski touring and hanging out with my friends and enjoying that as well. Basu's role at the North Face ranges from testing gear to being a face for the brand storytelling in marketing campaigns and on social media. They're, they're sponsoring these uh, athletes to go out into the world and to do active wear outside. They're taking photographs, they're documenting this, they're seeing what rips, they're seeing whose zipper breaks. And they're testing the materials in real life and they're, and they're documenting it and people want a piece of that. And it's very authentically North Face. I think the other side of that is, is more the emotional side, is that we know we're successful when we tell human stories of our athletes and what they're able to achieve. In 2020, Fasu climbed and skied Wyoming's Mount Moran. The feat was documented in a video short by the North Face. The following year, he paired up with Pete McAfee to become one of the first adaptive athletes to climb Alaska's 20,000-foot Denali Mountain and descend on skis. It's kind of a little bit of a test of every piece of you know, knowledge I've acquired over the years around backcountry skiing put into one month of just, you know, kind of arduous suffering on the mountain. So, and making good decisions all in the meantime as well. Driven by a growing middle class, global clothing production has roughly doubled in the 15 years between 2000 and 2015. During that same period, more than $500 billion in value was lost annually due to clothing underutilization and lack of recycling. Consumers have taken notice. According to a 2019 study, two-thirds of consumers said they were willing to pay more for sustainable goods. 42% of millennials want to know what goes into their product. And 90% of Gen Z consumers say companies have a responsibility to address social and environmental issues. But I think every brand, frankly, has to face into this today. Um, the consumers are telling us very clearly uh, that they will want to spend their money with the brands that share their values. Uh, and they're, in fact, demanding uh, that brands uh, tell them what their values are, what they stand for, and what they don't stand for. Uh, and if those don't align with uh, the younger consumer, they're going to take their business elsewhere. Like its rival Patagonia, the North Face has been scaling up sustainability across all its operations. They don't just want a brand that sells them product. They want a brand that is doing things that are um, 
good for the world, good for the environment, good for um, the population that, that lives on our, on our planet. One of the company's largest product lines, Thermoball Jackets, is made using 100% recycled fabrics and insulation. In 2018, the North Face launched its renewed collection, offering refurbished products for consumers seeking access to affordable gear while minimizing their environmental impacts. And it encouraged people to drop off unwanted clothing by offering a $10 store credit. Since its start, more than 95,000 pounds of clothing and footwear have been kept out of landfills. And the company has waded into politics too, becoming the first large brand to join Stop the Hate for Profit, a temporary boycott of Facebook advertising. The campaign is calling on the social media giant to address the prevalence of hate, racism, and misinformation on its platform. I don't know how successful those initiatives will be, but I do think that companies that participate even in that conversation are really endearing themselves to a younger group of, uh, of consumers who want that and seek that and buy that. And in addition to those initiatives, analysts say what could propel the North Face forward in the years to come is the strength of its brand, its agility at diversifying its product line, and our renewed interest in the great outdoors. The money is in sportswear, and yes, they want to present an authentic, credible view of that they are true to their origins, um, but it's much more about uh, uh, getting product on high school kids' backs and, uh, uh, and getting them to wear your products and, and th than it is about actually putting products through extreme conditions.